Now back to ESPN West Palm tonight. Here's Cyrus Whitting. September is a great month down here in the state of Florida. College and NFL football are back. We are heading into the home stretch of the Major League Baseball season, and we are just starting to feel the slightest break in that summer heat. September is also an extremely important month in the neuroscience community because it is Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month. And here with me now on ESPN West Palm to spread some aneurysm awareness is Dr. Brian Snelling, who is the Director of Cerebrovascular and Endovascular Neurosurgery and the Director of the Stroke Program at Marcus Neuroscience Institute, part of Baptist Health at Boca Raton Regional Hospital. Dr. Snelling, thank you so much for your time. I just want to hop right into it and ask you, first of all, what exactly is a brain aneurysm? A brain aneurysm is simply a weakening of an artery that is in or around the brain. Aneurysms can occur anywhere in the body, and when they occur in and around the brain, that's what we call a brain aneurysm. So, Dr. Snelling, what can an individual who is experiencing a brain aneurysm feel? Are are there any symptoms that are recognizable for a, a brain aneurysm? Usually nothing, and that's the problem. Around 1 in 50 people has a brain aneurysm, and for the vast majority of those people, they don't know that they have one until it ruptures. And when it does, um, that's a life-threatening type of stroke. And people usually describe that as a sudden onset, worst headache of life. But until that happens, there's really no way of knowing. So unlike uh, patients who may have heart issues where they have chest pain or shortness of breath or other things like that, for most people with brain aneurysms, there's no symptoms leading up to the eventual uh, the eventual rupture. So again, Dr. Snelling, you are also the director of the stroke program at Marcus Neuroscience Institute. And with a a stroke or a potential stroke, we have the acronym BFAST, which helps people to recognize a stroke and, of course, get them treatment because time is really so much of the essence with a stroke. What you're saying is there really is, I guess, no acronym, no telltale sign of, of a brain aneurysm. My friend, you need you need a white coat. We're ready to bring you <laughs> into the practice. So that's a great point. The word stroke is an umbrella term. It means a lot of different things and a lot of different diseases or illnesses of the blood vessels of the brain are called a stroke. Mm. When we say be, be fast, that's balance, eyes, face, arm, um, speech, time to call 911. That's, t- we, that's talking about the most common type of stroke, which is where a clot leaves either the heart or a plaque from the artery in the neck, and it gets lodged in one of the blood vessels of the brain, and it blocks blood flow and causes that part of the brain to to die. So that's what we worry about with that. That's so different from, from a brain aneurysm. A brain aneurysm, when it ruptures, causes bleeding in and around the brain. So with the first one, you're not getting bleeding. With this one, you're getting bleeding all over the brain. It causes global symptoms to the brain, terrible headache. Uh, you know, depression and consciousness, and, and a lot of people don't survive it. So the acronyms and a lot of the teaching we do to the community just really doesn't apply to this other group of patients. Here on ESPN West Palm tonight, and again, September is Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month, and here helping spread some knowledge is Dr. Brian Snelling from the Marcus Neuroscience Institute. And Dr. Snelling, we just talked about how there are really no signs, no symptoms for someone experiencing a brain aneurysm. 
But is there any testing that individuals can do to know if they might be at a higher risk for a brain aneurysm? Sure. So, you know, we know that there's a genetic component to brain aneurysms. We know that they run in families. Um, the typical criteria is that if you have fur, fur, I'm sorry, excuse me. The typical criteria is that if you have two first degree relatives, meaning a first degree relative is a mother or father, sister or brother, a son or daughter. Uh, if you have two of those, then you have a brain aneurysm. You meet the criteria to get a screening imaging study. Um, so that's the, that's the hard and fast rule. There are other things that we know can lead to the formation or growth of an aneurysm, such as smoking, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, excessive alcohol use. There's other uh, genetic diseases, such as autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. So in those patients who um, have either the classic family history or the family history plus some other of those things we talked about, those patients typically get will qualify for what I would call a screening study uh, to see if they do harbor an aneurysm. Because if we can find them, and we find one that's likely to cause the patient a problem or likely to rupture, we can try to treat it before it ruptures. So that's that's what a lot of what our brain aneurysm clinic is focused on, is in screening patients and trying to treat aneurysms before they cause a problem. Dr. Snelling, when you say you are treating a brain aneurysm, what does that treatment entail? The whole goal with any aneurysm treatment is preventing the aneurysm from rupturing. That's That's the goal. And if you can prevent blood from flowing into the aneurysm, it's not going to rupture. There's two main ways of doing that. And so I'm a I'm a dual trained neurosurgeon, meaning I'm a brain surgeon first, and I did extra training in in neurointerventional radiology, which means catheter-based techniques of accessing the blood vessels of the brain. So the so the, the main way or the mainstay of treating aneurysms for the past half century is brain surgery. You know, a small incision, remove a small piece of bone, go underneath the brain, put a titanium clip across the aneurysm. It looks like a clothespin. Once once you clip the aneurysm, no blood can get into it, then it's taken care of. That's the traditional way. And that's still done in a large number of cases, but but far and away, the vast majority of cases are treated with catheter-based techniques, meaning you can put platinum-based coils into the aneurysm that stay there forever, and they prevent blood from flowing there. There's new techniques that have cropped up in the past decade where we use stents to divert blood flow away. So the two main categories are either surgery or uh, catheter-based techniques, you know, every aneurysm is different. Every patient's different. So uh, you really can't uh, you really can't say, oh, you should only treat them one way or the other. You really need to go to a center that offers the full uh, the full spectrum of of options, and have a team that decides what treatment's best for you. Again, here on ESPN West Palm tonight, recognizing Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month with Dr. Brian Snelling the director of cerebrovascular and endovascular neurosurgery and the director of the stroke program at Marcus Neuroscience Institute, which is part of Baptist Health at Boca Raton Regional Hospital. And Dr. Snelling, obviously, like you said, the goal is to find and treat the brain aneurysm before it ruptures because, again, like you said, the survival rate is not great if it does indeed rupture. If someone again, has an aneurysm, it, it does rupture, and, and they live through it, what are the treatment options in terms of recovery? That's a great question. A lot, of, a lot of the issues that people can have afterwards are either complications from just having had the aneurysm rupture, they're going to they're be bleeding in and around the brain, they could damage part of the, parts of the brain at the time of rupture. There can be other sequelae of that, such as fluid buildup in the brain, which they may need an, an additional procedure for. But a lot of times it's just, it can be also just cognitive issues. A lot of times patients have a, have short-term memory loss and confusion, easy fatigue, things like that. And, um, sometimes don't, those don't get 
you know, completely better. So the general rubric we tell people is, you know, if, if you have a brain aneurysm that ruptures of all, of all comers, about a year afterwards, about half of people don't survive. About a quarter of people are, they survive, but they're not really able to, um, they're not really able to go back to work and whatnot. And about a quarter of people are usually able to return to work, but still probably with some issues. So just trying to convey, it's a really devastating type of stroke. It happens to patients that are much younger than those other types of stroke that we talked about earlier. And we really take a very, um, a very serious, aggressive approach to trying to help patients prior to this, uh, prior to this happening to them. Dr. Snelling, I know that we can't put our brains on the treadmill or the stairmaster or on the bench press, but what are some things that people can do to promote brain health and, and in turn lower the risk, uh, their own risk of a brain aneurysm and other uh, related issues? It's pretty easy. You know, arteries, whether they deliver blood to the heart or to the brain, they need to be treated well. So all the same things people would tell you for your heart. Or the same things that go for the, that um, we know work for the brain. The number one thing is, don't smoke. Smoking is a is a great way to <laughs> it, it's increase it's associated with an increase in aneurysm formation and rupture. So not smoking. Um, if you have high cholesterol, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, those things need to be well controlled. Exercise um, and certainly no excessive alcohol use. Those are all the things that we know can lead to brain aneurysm formation and growth. And again, those are the same things that, that sure. your cardiologist or your primary care doctor would tell you for your heart. Wrapping things up on ESPN West Palm tonight by recognizing Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month with Dr. Brian Snelling, the director of cerebrovascular and endovascular neurosurgery, and also the director of the stroke program at Marcus Neuroscience Institute, which is part of Baptist Health at Boca Raton Regional Hospital. And Dr. Snelling, something I like to ask the, the doctors and the medical professionals I talk to, regardless of field, I know that technologies, techniques, always there's always something new in, in the field of medicine. When you look towards the horizon of neuro, neurosurgery and, and the treatment of brain aneurysms, the detection of brain aneurysms, what are some of the things that you are particularly excited about? Yeah, I would tell you, um, you know, I've been really lucky to join uh, the field of, of um, you know, uh, treatment of blood vessel disorders, of the brain and spine, meaning aneurysms, some other types of stroke. It's, it's probably the best time. It's probably the best field to be in right now in terms of technology, science. Um, I would tell you the future of aneurysm treatment, of aneurysm screening, of stroke in general is going to be based around robotics. It's going to be based around things like detection with AI. We're currently using AI at our hospital. So if a patient comes in and gets a scan for any type of stroke, they we have an AI software that automatically scans that patient's uh, images for any aneurysm before the radiologist even looks at it. Um, we've already we were the first in Florida to use robotics for catheter-based procedures of the brain. Those things are only going to continue. Um, so that there's just more to come in that sense. And, and stroke is such a disabling disease that um, there's going to continue to be uh, both a technology and sort of a, a bench to, a bench top to like to a bedside revolution mm -hmm. in how we treat these patients. So um, I'll, I'll just a lot of great things to look forward to. 
Dr. Snelling, I'll let you go in just a moment. But before I do, I was reading your background and saw that you went to Vanderbilt for undergrad where you got your Bachelor of Engineering. And obviously, now that you are in the medical field, uh, you are helping people to engineer their brains at the Marcus Neuroscience Institute. But again, I'm, I'm curious, you know, why did you decide to pivot into the medical field after beginning in engineering? Sure. I originally wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a patent lawyer. Um, I was in biomedical engineering, which um, at Vanderbilt was pretty difficult at the time. And all of my uh, classmates were like, we're going to go to medical school. It's, it's the hardest thing you can do. And I was like, well, I'm not going to turn down a challenge. So I went to medical school. Um, and then once in medical school, you know, I was searching for something to do. And um, uh, all of my classmates were like, you know, nobody should go into neurosurgery. It's the absolute most difficult thing you can do. And I was like, well, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So uh, I've been I've been very fortunate. It's a it's a it's something I'm very passionate about, and um, it's really a very high risk, high reward um, uh, profession that allows you to um, to really provide uh, for patients, usually on the worst day of their life. So uh, yeah. it's, it's been a re very rewarding field for me. So Dr. Snelling, like I said, you went to Vandy for undergrad, then went to the West Virginia School of Medicine, then did a fellowship and residency at the University of Miami School of Medicine, and now, along with your role at the Marcus Institute, you are a professor of surgery at the Florida Atlantic University College of Medicine. And I say all of this to ask, who the heck do you root for when it comes to college football? You know, my friend, um, they probably lie with WVU. I grew up in West Virginia. Okay. Um, I, I, would pr I, I did enjoy uh, Vanderbilt when I went there, but, um, they're just, they just routine even, and Jay Cutler was there when I was there. So they weren't that bad, but, um, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, if you really want to watch a team that can actually do pretty well, you shouldn't be watching Vanderbilt. They're, they're usually a uh, bottom of the SEC. So yeah, Dr. Snelling certainly don't blame you there, but I, I should say congratulations on, uh, West Virginia's victory over Pitt this past weekend. Obviously I, I know a big, uh, a, a big rivalry up there, but again, Dr. Snelling, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for all of the insight, all of the information, really invaluable stuff. Again, thank you so much for the time. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks Iris. Take care. Again, that was Dr. Brian Snelling, the director of cerebrovascular and endovascular neurosurgery, as well as the director of the stroke program at Marcus Neuroscience Institute, which is part of Baptist Health at Boca Raton Regional Hospital. Dr. Snelling helping us spread awareness because September is, of course, Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month. To schedule an appointment with Dr. Snelling or for more information on Baptist Health Brain and Spine Care and to learn more about the Brain Aneurysm Screening Clinic at Marcus Neuroscience Institute, contact us at 561-955-4600. Again, that is 561-955-4600.